Hello and welcome to the Portfolio Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, John Bryson, Head of Investment Consulting at John Hancock Investment Management. Today is May 12th, 2022, and we've got a lot going on in the markets. So I've invited back Emily Rowland and Nat Miskin, our co-chief investment strategists here at John Hancock Investment Management. As you probably all know, Matt and Emily are the architects behind our quarterly capital markets outlook piece titled Market Intelligence, and they are very busy right now. Matt, I'm going to start with you. There's a lot of questions coming in from advisors around all the volatility we're seeing in the markets. Key questions like, is it time to panic? Is it time to go to cash? What other options do I have? Matt, how are your conversations going? Yeah, it is. It's one of the most challenging market environments we've had in modern history. <clears throat> you think about a 60-40 portfolio over the last four months, it's, it's down just over 10%. In any four-month window since 1970, it's only happened two other times. And that was 1987, and that was just, you know, a very quick but pretty significant flash crash, liquidity event, uh, market dropping very quickly. But recall, it actually snapped back pretty quickly after that. And then the other uh, period was 2008. And we all remember 2008, um, but it was more in November of 2008, getting closer to that bottom. And then actually a balanced 60-40 portfolio actually rebounded after that. So my point there being twofold. One, this is one of the most challenging environments that we've had in history. But two is that when there is challenging market environments and it feels like there's nowhere to hide, but everything is down, it often means that that's a good opportunity to put money to work in a broader portfolio context. So we still believe in diversification. We still see a lot of opportunities in traditional asset classes like stocks, bonds, and you know, as the cycle matures, we'll be looking at alternatives. We'll look at defensive equities, all weather equities, things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, I know it's tempting to kind of say, you know, my stocks are down, down, my bonds are down. I want to go all the cash. In times like this, we've seen cash rise, and that's usually actually the low point for financial assets. You don't want to be caught offside right during the recovery. Uh, after valuations just got more attractive in a lot of asset classes. Yeah, we preach over and over again, buy low and sell high. We don't want to get caught in that panic pattern. So, so Emily, let me dig into equities. You know, um, a lot of people are keeping an eye on that market because it's where a bulk of a lot of people's assets are. Are we starting to see a bottoming process or what would it take to see a bottoming process to, to see that as an opportunity to buy back in? Yeah, John, we're getting a lot of questions on this right now as we're approaching that psychologically important uh, potential bear market here of a decline of 20% or more. And in our view, you know, we probably need to see some more signs of capitulation before a bottom can really be formed. In other words, more signs of investors willing to, you know, get out at any price. Um, or a more significant evaporation of liquidity beyond what we've seen so far. And one thing we're watching really closely on that front is high yield bond spread. So that's historically been a really good uh, gauge of liquidity, a gauge of financial conditions. We're at about 440 basis points over treasuries right now. But in other times where we've seen liquidity events, we've seen an exhaustion and, and the distress that's priced into the market like uh, 2011, you look at 2016, 2020, yeah, and those times we've seen spreads widen to more like six or 800 basis points. So there could be some more pain here to be felt uh, within the high yield bond market. Um, 
And on a related note, we're also watching treasury yields. So, you know, as, as everyone I'm sure understands, you know, the, the really the key factor here that's contributed to the downturn or the multiple compression that we've seen this year has really been this increasingly aggressive and hawkish Fed. Um, in fact, the number of rate hikes that have been priced in the market has gone nowhere but up over the course of 2022. The market now expects to get to right around 3% on the Fed funds rate uh, by year end. That's a total of, of 10 quarter point rate hikes throughout the year. So I think, you know, we've we've thought a lot about how investors would react if potentially the bond market started to price in fewer rate hikes. Um, I think there would be a, a good sort of sigh of relief there if we saw the 10-year Treasury yield falling more meaningfully, uh, really yields across the curve, the two-year starting to fall, uh, reflecting fewer rate hikes being priced into the market, maybe um, again, a reflection of, of global growth slowing down here. Um, and markets would certainly sniff that out in, in our view. So one final thought here. So, you know, there could be some further downside volatility, you know, maybe even a bear market here. Um, but it's pretty unusual to see a really severe bear market without a recession. Um, so we've done some work on this and we've looked at the last 10 bear markets since World War II in the U.S. and only three of them um, have not been associated with a recession, uh, two of them in the 60s, one in 87, which, which Matt was just talking about. And the ones um, that have not been associated with a recession have been much milder. Um, we've seen a decline there of around 27% versus a bear market with a recession that's closer to 37%. So right now we don't see a, a recession on our doorstep. The U.S. economy remains decent right now. It's decelerating, but still solid. And so we could be getting closer to that sort of average uh, downturn in a non-recessionary bear market. So a little bit of a silver lining here in terms of the volatility that's been playing out. Okay, that makes sense. And we can talk about the Fed and navigating a soft landing versus a hard landing in, in a moment. Um, I do want to ask, uh, because Matt, you brought up the 60-40 portfolio. And one of the challenges is you're often expecting when the 60 is doing well, the 40 might not be and vice versa. We have this challenge right now where bonds, the 40 in many portfolios are down year to date, but they're holding up better than stocks. Uh, Emily started to talk about it, but Digging a little bit more uh, around the outlook for bonds and, and what role they sh you should be looking at them to play in a portfolio. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, <clears throat> you know, bonds are going to, re total return wise, are going to likely track their starting yields. <clears throat> and, you know, income, you know, wise, what we're seeing is demographics didn't change during the pandemic. If anything, actually, they got a little bit worse. Um, meaning that, you know, there's still a lot of baby boomers that need income. There's still a lot of investors that need income and yields were, you know, really low before, you know, the last three to six months, but yields have exploded higher. And I know it's tough because <clears throat> current bond valuations have, have gone down. Prices have gone down to, to make those yields go up. Um, but what we're looking at now in terms of the aggregate bond index, about three and a half percent yield. Investment grade corporates are about 4.4%. High yield is seven and a half percent. And these yields are almost double where they were just to start 2022. And in our view, the forward-looking return potential is, is going up. 
And you also want to think about the cycle. So, you know, as the Fed raises rates and raises rates and, you know, like Emily said, I mean, we're looking at potentially 50 basis point rate hikes. It's like, you know, it's a shotgun and it's like a machine gun and that it's, it's quick and it's double, you know, it's a lot. And I don't mean to talk about guns that much, but it's just this, the Fed hiking this fast means it's likely later cycle. And what we would say is that as we get late cycle, as the Fed gets to the peak of that rate hiking cycle, that's when bonds usually turn and start to actually appreciate. You see prices come up, yields come down. And we think that we're setting up actually a good environment as growth slows to see uh, bonds come back into favor. I know it's been a challenging environment. And you know, I think sometimes it's hard to, to make that pivot. But in our view, you know, you're going to want to actually lean into kind of core, core plus bonds here as the, the growth rate of the economy slows, as the Fed puts more tightening into the system. And in our view, also, the diversification benefits will increase as equity volatility increases, as economic growth slows. And not to over extrapolate the last four months because it is such an outlier. Again, this is over a three standard deviation event in history of data, of, of looking at markets. This is so unusual. So don't plan your portfolio positioning based on the outlier. Plan it based on what happens more often than not. And more often than not, bonds typically do add a diversification benefits. The higher yields result in better income and total return potential. And that's what we would position for uh, from here. And, and to build on that, Matt, do you feel like the market has priced in most of the hikes now and maybe much of the, the worst situation is behind us? Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Emily was just saying, you know, 11 rate hikes this year. So they've done three. <laughs> the market's saying, you know, another eight, and I'm saying 25 basis point rate hikes. So if you want bond, if you think bonds are going to go down more based just on the Fed raising rates, the Fed has to do more than 11 rate hikes. For the bond market to go down more because it's already priced in 11. Now, if they do less, say they only do, you know, instead of eight more, they do four more, then bonds are going to rally. And also, as soon as the Fed stops, that's usually a sign that they're done for the cycle. And that's when bonds usually really rally. So absolutely, John, um, in our view, the, the bond markets over extrapolated the Fed policy guidance um, and we think actually bonds up represent an opportunity today. Okay, great. So Emily, I want to pivot back to you. Some of the stuff that you started to talk about and really focus a little bit more on the economy, what we're dealing with right now and going forward. Thoughts that crossed my mind. Um, we saw inflation drop recently. Um, how long, like what numbers do we need to see before inflation is not the primary concern? Where are we in the cycle? What type of uh, opportunities does this set us up for in the future? Yeah, lots of good uh, questions in there, John. And I would start by saying that the key dynamic that we're really watching right now is the fact that global growth is diverging. The U.S. economy is holding up relatively well, but the eurozone is slowing significantly. We've seen sentiment data that's really plummeting there. PMI data, which is our key gauge of the health of the economy holding up okay right now in Europe, it's really starting to show signs of slowing. And China potentially even in a recession at this point. 
Um, so the U.S., again, the U.S. economy, we have a solid labor market. Our manufacturing data is holding in okay. But we're, of course, we're not immune uh, to global growth uh, slowing. We look at things like the leading indicators showing that the U.S., you know, is likely set to slow over the course of the year. Certainly tighter financial conditions, higher mortgage rates, higher lending rates, um, demand cooling are really starting to set in here. And so what this means in terms of our positioning is that we want, you know, we're favoring U.S. equities right now on a global basis. Again, better economic data, better earnings data here in the U.S., but we also want to think about this potential slowdown ahead. So we're still, you know, emphasizing the quality factor is a really important complement to value as the year progresses. Uh, Matt already highlighted the views across fixed income as economic growth slows, really leaning more into core and core plus bonds here. Um, so there is a, a, a consideration here in terms of where we are in the cycle. We're getting ever closer here to late cycle. This cycle is moving extremely fast. Um, and again, you really want to start to look for areas like investment grade bonds. You want to look for, you know, areas that are going to have better credit quality, lower default risks, steadier income as we get closer to late cycle here. All weather equities, which Matt mentioned earlier, lower beta alternative type strategies. So we're moving ever closer to that late cycle environment. We want to also think about things like infrastructure. You know, as we get closer to a, a, a um, late cycle period, it's going to become, and as inflationary pressures uh, really remain here and they start to crimp spending, it's going to become about what people need versus what people want. And infrastructure, um, which tends to be a mix of, you know, utility type businesses, toll roads, things like that you know, can, can be a, a really attractive alternative investment to turn to as economic growth starts to cool. And it again becomes more about what people need versus what they want. Um, on the inflation front, I heard another strategist the other day saying they, you know, they burn their team transitory t-shirt, which we've also done along with other strategists. It's been really tough to call. Inflation's remained more sticky than we anticipated. The Russia-Ukraine crisis contributing to that via higher oil prices, which are inflationary. Um, the zero COVID policies in China, you know, bringing um, economic activity to a halt there, contributing to supply chain issues being exacerbated. But we are starting to see evidence that inflation is coming off the boil. We saw that in the year-over-year -year CPI data this week. We look at things like used car price data that showed a decline over the last uh, few months. Lumber prices have been falling. Again, demand starting to come off the boil. So we do anticipate that inflationary pressures will cool over the course of the year, taking a little bit more time than anticipated. But frankly, that being another reason that we think that the Fed can pump the brakes a little bit and not move forward with those 10 or 11 uh, rate hikes that the market's now pricing in. Excellent. Now, I think what I would summarize with uh, in talking to you two over the years is now is not a good time to panic. Uh, it's been volatile. We've gone through this in the past. We will get through this. Not a bad idea to reassess your portfolios. Make sure you're taking advantage of high quality options, maybe diversifying a little bit. Um, and if you have some cash to put into work, think about where you want to go next. I know you two are super busy. Uh, there's a lot going on in the markets. I'm going to let you go now. But folks, uh, to our listeners, I want to say you should definitely be following Matt and Emily on LinkedIn and on Twitter. They're always sharing 
great insights as to what's going on in the markets. They just released their mid-quarter release of market intelligence, came out last week. You can find that on our website, jhinvestments.com, and you can find a lot of the other research that our organization is doing to help you navigate these challenging markets. As always, Matt, Emily, thanks for joining me today. To my audience, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. This podcast is being brought to you by John Hancock Investment Management Distributors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker, are subject to change as market and other conditions warrant, and do not constitute investment advice or a recommendation regarding any specific product or security. There is no guarantee that any investment strategy discussed will be successful or achieve any particular level of results. Any economic or market performance information is historical and is not indicative of future results, and no forecasts are guaranteed. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal.